On this episode of the History Worth Saving Podcast, we're talking to a friend of mine who is restoring a town. I mean, a lot of people restore a house, they restore a barn, but I've never met anyone quite like Adam, who sets out with his brother to restore an entire community. Now, it's not exactly what you think. This is an old, an old community. Just the ruins, the barn, the old buildings, they were all there, including an impressive set of falls. Adam and his brother, they saw this piece of property not far from where they grew up in Pennsylvania, and they just had to have it. So they got their money together, they bought it, and now their mission is to restore it to its former glory, the town of Stoddardville. I've never heard anything quite as ambitious as this, and it truly is a great American story, and it is history worth saving. Please welcome Adam Carrick to the show. Adam, you're in your truck this morning. It's about 20 degrees up there in Pennsylvania, and you're outside the barn there in Stoddardville. Paint this picture for me. What What's the plan for all this? Because it is. It's a noble endeavor. Yeah, good morning, Matt. And uh, yeah, it's about chilly. Just uh, got in my truck from working on uh, the barn here in Stoddardsville. Um, but, you know, the, the, the big plan here is, uh, well, I'll, I guess I'll just go through the story from the beginning. Um, my father grew up right across the river here in uh, Tobyhanna Township in uh, Blakesley, the town of Blakesley, uh, formerly the town of Stoddardsville. And uh, he grew up here, knew about this area. My family's been here since the early 1800s, and uh, we've been farming here forever. The family farm still sits across the river um, and is still owned by the family. But um, we had the opportunity to purchase uh, some land up here, including the river, the, the Great Falls of the Lehigh River, and um, the ruins of Stoddardsville that was built in 1815. So we, we took that opportunity. We, we, we bought it from the estate of Commander John Butler, who was in the Navy during World War II, and could trace his lineage all the way back to Colonel Zebulon Butler, who fought the, uh, the British and the, uh, the Native Americans in uh, Wilkes-Barre. So we bought, the, we bought the land from his estate, and uh, you know we began cleaning it up, all the garbage that's accumulated here over the years, and cleaning up the foundations that were left here. You know, we have a couple barns, a mansion that was built in, we think, between 1810 and 1815, um, and all the outbuildings that went with them. There was even a grist mill, which was the largest in the state of Pennsylvania when it was built. It was about 50 feet by 70 feet and four and a half stories tall. There was a shingle mill, and there was a very large sawmill. They were all powered by water wheels right next to the uh, the waterfalls. So all of those foundations were left here. They burned down over a period of, uh, you know, 200 years. And uh, we decided to start uh, rebuilding the barn uh, that went in back of the Stoddard House, which was the, uh, it was later called the Maples, which was a boarding house. Um, the barn that went, be- went right behind it, we just start- decided to start uh, rebuilding it. So my cousin, who's a mason, um, he came out for the summer that I left, uh, the Navy got left active duty, which was, uh, 2013. We started rebuilding the foundation. And then my, my good friend that I grew up with, his uncle is a timber framer. And, uh, we took down a couple barns across New Jersey and Pennsylvania and used the parts to recreate, uh, this barn that was originally built in 1875. And you've so learned a lot about at. barns. You and I have talked about barns. I have a barn on my property, a very small barn. 
that I work out of. Uh, it's in our logo right. for History Worth Saving, but that's <laughs> it's now the studio. At least the old corn crib is. But this barn has been an education for you, and you're one of the most versed guys on barns I've ever met. I mean, you can tell me anything and everything about a barn. This barn is so big, just to give folks who are not familiar uh, with barns up there in the Mid-Atlantic region, that this barn is so big you had your wedding in this barn. That's correct. Um, the, the the original barn is about uh, 48 feet by 36 feet. And then uh, over time, um, the family that owned this land, that owned the barn, um, added onto it. So there's actually three barns that kind of look like a, a telescope. They get smaller as you, you go to the left. Um, and we're currently restoring the, uh, the third barn uh, in that series. But the large barn is 48 by 36. The middle barn is about 36 by 36. And the smaller barn is just a little bit smaller than that. So, But they're tall, you, too. That's the thing that you, you can't leave out. How high is this barn? Because it's two stories, isn't it? Yeah, it's just uh, it's under 40 feet at the peak uh, for the large barn, which, uh, you know, we put all the siding on it and had to paint it. I, I remember my wife, Lacey, uh, was up on the scaffolding a week before our wedding painting the barn red. So it's a, it's a full family uh, affair up here. <laughs> it's as, it's almost as it's almost as tall as it is long. I mean, that's the impressive thing about yeah. this is these are big mammoth structures, and all of Stoddardsville is going to be that way. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, the the grist mill was fifty feet by seventy feet uh, and four and a half stories tall, and that was all masonry. So the walls at the there's two corners that are still there next to the waterfalls. And uh, at the base, they're just around three feet thick. So, I, you know, like you said, it's it's an ambitious project, but I'd like to preserve the technology that went into those those mills, the grist mill and the sawmill uh, for posterity. So so people and their kids can come up and see, that, you know, this was a frontier town back in the early 1800s. You know, we had just finished the, the second war with the British, uh, the War of 1812. We were just coming off uh, the victory of that in 1815. And, uh, you know, America had really solidified itself uh, in, in on the world stage and uh, really shrugged off uh, the yoke of Britain for sure. And uh, we started building canals and all the infrastructure that would go into a, a, a big nation. And uh, one of those canals was the Lehigh Canal. The, the plan was to take the Lehigh River and put a series of 27 locks on it that went all the way to the Delaware River, which of course runs past Philad- uh, Philadelphia. So John Stoddart, who was originally born in 1777 in England, he emigrated to the United States and had a, a very uh, a thriving dry goods store in Philadelphia. And his goal was to take the grain from Wilkes-Barre and Scranton in the Wyoming Valley uh, that at the time was being shipped down the Susquehanna River to Baltimore. He wanted to take that grain and have it milled at his town of Stoddardsville on the Lehigh and then put that on what they called them arcs, which were just 20 by 40 foot barges. And they would take those barges down the Lehigh Canal to the Delaware, to his store in Philadelphia. So that's why the whole town was built, was built around this giant grist mill. It is a company town. And, and what, would have, what would have become of the falls, of those gorgeous waterfalls uh, that are now on your property? Yeah, I mean, they've been flowing uh, for, I mean, since the Lenin Lenape uh, Native Americans uh, were, were on this land. Um, when uh, when Stoddard had his mills going, I believe they had a dam right above the waterfalls and uh, diverted some of the water through a giant race, which is just a big ditch. Um, 
that was called, uh, like I said, a mill race that fed the water to the water wheels uh, at, at the various mills. So they still would have flowed. The water would have gone over the dam and over the falls, but the dam would have brought the water up high enough to go through the race uh, that would channel the water to the various mills. And I guess those those arcs, as he called it, they would have been docked somewhere. I mean, it still would have had the natural beauty of the land. But but nonetheless, this is a, a big thing that, that, that Stoddard had in mind. And when, when you start thinking about what you're trying to do and bringing this back, uh, you're you're not a guy that is just rolling in you know in trust fund money and uh, you don't have oil wells no. on your property. This is this is a big project, and it, and it begs the question, why? I mean, other than other than doing it to save it, uh, I would imagine that maybe down the road there are some commercial ventures that could come from this. But the, but the real drive that you've often talked about is that the story needs to be told. This just needs to happen. It. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, my, my family, my aunt has done a lot of work, uh, you know, preserving a lot of the written history. There's a small museum up here. Um, but I, I, I would like to preserve the, uh, physical nature and the, the beauty, you know, both historically natural and, uh, you know, that, that American spirit that, that really drove this, this town originally, you know, Stoddart was an immigrant. He came here from England with great ideas, and he he tried to make them work as best he could. You know, unfortunately, floods, fires, and uh, the railroad being built nearby kind of put him out of business. Um, but uh, like you said, it was a, it was a big big project for its day. Uh, you know, between the grist mill, the sawmill, the house he built for his son Isaac, which uh, was just about the size of the barn. It was about forty eight feet by thirty six feet deep. Um, a beautiful uh, Georgian mansion that, that sat on top of the hill here and overlooked the waterfalls. Um, an interesting story. My grandparents were married for two weeks and they were living in this, uh, this mansion in, uh, in the winter of 1951. It was December 21st, 1951. And, uh, if you talk to my grandmother today, she'll say there was, she thinks it was set on fire by someone in the middle of the night and, uh, they crawled out of it. Uh, rescued, uh, they called her Aunt Luli. Her name was Julia Stull, but uh, she was like an aunt to my, my grandfather. And uh, my grandfather carried Aunt Luli out of the uh, the burning mansion. And, of course, uh, Luli wanted to go back into the house, like a captain kind of going down with her ship, because that was her family's home since they bought it from the Stoddards uh, in the middle 1800s. So my grandfather picked her up again, carried her down to the barn that we're now restoring and put his wife, my grandmother and Aunt Lily in the uh, in his car. But where were the car keys? The car keys were in the burning house. So he ran across the old bridge across the Lehigh uh, in, in December in his bare feet all the way up to the family farm, which is I'm guessing about uh, three quarters of a mile away. They called the uh, fire department. The fire department showed up. And uh, to his dying day, he always called the fire department the uh, foundation savers because that's all that was left when uh, when they got here 45 minutes later. So that was the kind of the, the it's I always say the the Maples or the Stoddard Mansion. It started with a married couple because John Stoddard built it built it for his son Isaac, who married uh, Colonel Zebulon Butler's granddaughter in the 1800s. Um, John Stoddard was so happy his son Isaac married so well that he built him this massive. Uh, house to oversee his operations here in Stoddardsville. So it started with a married couple. It ended with a married couple. 
But uh, in 2018, my wife and I, we got married on the back lawn that we, we cleared out of uh, all the trees that were there and all the, the bushes, and we laid down some sod, and we had our ceremony there. I think it's fantastic, and I think it's a great story. You know, th- th- this kind of stuff gets in your blood. I mean, there, there's, there's old houses everywhere, and I think that what you're doing is so wonderful because there is such a family tie for you to this property that you almost have to do this. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that it would just nag at you and nag at you until if you're not doing something, you're not doing anything. Is that is that kind of the way this this goes down, Adam, with you every day? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's pretty pretty accurate. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, working to me is almost like therapy. I, I like to stay busy, and uh, I lo- always loved architecture. And I, as you know, I, I loved history. So you know, the, the the chance to get your hands on history, you know, putting this barn back together and seeing these massive timbers with these these um, you know, Morris and Tenon joints, you know, the whole frame of these barns were built uh, from hand-hewn oak. So the uh, hewing is, is a, a form of taking a round log and making it the square lumber, but with your hands, with an axe. So you still see the marks on these, these beautiful hand-hewn oak timbers um, and the marriage marks, which are marks on each part of the joint that goes together so that the, the old-timers, they take a chisel and put a Roman numeral into each um, part of the joint. So they knew how to assemble it because, um, you know, they'd assemble it, take it down and then, uh, put it back up where it needs to go up, um, during a barn raising, which we had the opportunity to have here in, in 2014, as we were erecting this, this barn, I said, uh, you know, we have to get, we have to have a little festival like I did back in the day and have a, a little barn raising. So we raised one bent, one frame of this, uh, structure, uh, uh, just like the, the old timers did with big block and tackle and, and pike poles to push it up. But uh, it really gave you an appreciation for, for the old boys who, uh, who, uh, who put these things up with just hands and, and, you know, oxen, maybe some horses to, to help. So it's uh, it's been a neat experience so far. And the rest of it, I'm guessing you did 2018 style. Yeah. Uh, our timber framer, my, my buddy's uncle, uh, Skip, Skip Yates. Uh, yeah, he had a, uh, a truck, a flatbed in the back with a, with a crane, of course, that, 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 <laughs> a little easier than that makes things a lot easier. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wanted to get the experience because how many times you put a barn up the, the old fashioned way. So I think it's great. And I just, I love the story now. Now there's other stuff there. I mean, this was a community yeah. town, uh, built around a company, uh, that was in the grist mill business. They were milling all types of things. I'm, I'm guessing there in that grist mill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but absolutely. there was a lot of was there uh, was there there the hotel I guess was was really the what you're calling the Maples I guess now or, or later it was called the Maples it was used as a boarding house a boarding uh, house by okay the, by the Stull family but acro- just across the river I'm actually looking at it right across the river was the Stoddard Inn and that I think they had like eight bedrooms in there or something like that um, now is that on st- the property as well or is that not no on the that that's not on my property, but it's right across the river, um, on, on a neighboring, uh, property. Wow. But, uh, yeah, that, that building originally was built in 1815. Um, but it, there's a massive forest fire that came through here in 1875. Uh, there's, uh, the records say it was called the great inferno of 1875 and it pretty much burned the whole mountain off. Um, the story goes that they, the Stull family saved the maples, the, the old Stoddard mansion, by placing wet carpets on the roof and they jumped into the river, um, to survive. 
and it pretty much burned the whole town down, including the grist mill and the sawmill and, you know, all the timbers that supported the walls burned out. And um, that's when the milk kind of started crumbling and, and falling, falling apart. So one of the great questions, I guess, in your life is who would burn something down like this, this house? Who would who would do that? I'm sure there's lots of speculation. Uh, yeah. has, has the mystery ever been poked at to the point where you think you can solve it? No. Um, my grandmother has her, her theories, um, but uh, it, it's interesting. We had the University of Kutztown archaeological um, department out here, and, and they do um, archaeological digs with their students every summer. And uh, they were actually digging in the foundation because all the foundations here have been preserved. It's always been in private hands. So it's never been disturbed since it burned down. And uh, they had a forensic student with them, and uh, I, I believe they, they determined that the fire probably started in the front, um, if you're in the house, front right corner of the house. And that's when my grandfather said it, it started. And there, there wasn't really anything out in that corner because there was a porch that went off the front from that corner. And then, you know, that was it. it that, that was in the old section, as they called it, because it wasn't insulated. No one lived in there in the winter. They, my grandparents and Aunt Luli, they lived in the addition that was on the back of it. So there's nobody out there, and um, they're just not sure what happened. But my grandmother will tell you that uh, she believes it's it was probably burned uh, burned down by someone. An old feud. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, you know. that would be eating away at me, Adam. I'd have to find out. You know, I'd have to. Yeah. I'd have to hire somebody to come out and figure that out. I mean, there's all kind of yeah. stuff that, that you could figure out out here that that yeah. not only ties back to your family, but but more importantly the American story uh, yep. at large here, which is which is what's so wonderful. I mean, this is industry at its finest uh, at a time when, you know, we were growing, we were building things, and, and we had big ideas back then. What has surprised you the most about doing this? Um, probably the overall vision that Stoddard had. It was so large. You know, the gristmill alone was reported to be the largest in the state of Pennsylvania, when it was built, but you know, you had to have a company store. You had to, you know, he built this house for his son, you know, and they brought all the timber and wagons. We're talking, you know, horses and oxen, uh, that did all the work back then. They brought all of that timber, all the finished timber, or I shouldn't say timber, but finished moldings and all of the, uh, the details all came from, from Philadelphia on, on wagons, uh, up to here to, to finish that mansion. But the mansion, the general store, you had, uh, you know, the gristmill, the sawmill, all the barns and outbuildings. I mean, he was really building a little town uh, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there was nothing out here at the time. Just, you know, absolutely nothing. And how many people do you think he uh, he had working there at that time when it was, you know, at its heyday, so to speak? In its heyday, they said there was about 40 homes. or You know, so I, I don't know how many people that would necessarily translate to. But there had to have been a number of workers, um, obviously running the mills. But the grist mill was was a an Oliver Evans type automated grist mill. Uh, Oliver Evans, of course, the famous uh, and, and uh, industrial revolutionary, I guess you'd call him. Um, he developed a system of belts and pulleys that would run all of the, the the parts inside of the grist mill, and it was the same. Uh, system that Washington used in his grist mill that was at his um, distillery on Doge Creek down near Mount Vernon. He converted his to an Oliver Evans type grist mill as well. But um, so you needed people to run all these things, but the grist mill 
didn't need a whole lot of people because it was, you know, modern for that area. It was very uh, automated. But you had to have a miller. The miller's house sits on the other side of the river. That was rebuilt after the fire in 1876. And, uh, you know, you had to have mill hands that ran everything uh, under the, the, the miller's supervision. So there had to have been a lot of people here. But uh, the, the best report I can say is, is, is 40 homes um, at, in its heyday. So the boy from Stoddardville, uh, Stoddardsville, <laughs> so to speak, runs off and joins the Navy. Uh, you yep. see the world, you work in, uh, you work in business, and now you're, uh, you, you've, you've had an interesting naval career. I mean, you flew uh, as, as, a, as a Wizzo in the back seat of, a, of an F-18. Well, I, I start. Well, I grew up in Huntington Valley, which is just outside of Philadelphia. But like I said, my father grew up here, so we would come up for, you know, a couple of weeks in the summer and spend it with my grandparents, swim in the falls. Um, and I'd always say, "What's that old building over there?" You know, the grist mill. But um, so I didn't necessarily grow up here, but I spent time here, and uh, now, of course, I live here. But uh, my my naval career, uh, yeah, I, I went to the Naval Academy, graduated in two thousand five. And then went out to uh, Whidbey Island, Washington, flying uh, EA-60 Prowlers uh, as an ECMO, uh, Electronic Countermeasures Officer. And then from there, we transitioned to the EA-18G Growler, which is a variant of the, uh, the Super Hornet. I was an instructor for a little while, and then I, and then I got out of the Navy and uh, joined the Reserves. Um, I continued flying for a little while in VAQ-209 up there in Whidbey Island, uh, flying the Growler. And then... Uh, I had uh, I got lucky enough to uh, join the Blue Angels for a little while uh, for the last uh, two years, and now I'm just coming off active duty uh, from that stint uh, with the Blues. And that's where you and I met, of course. Uh, yep. And and had to hear about all of this fascinating stuff that you're doing on <laughs> on the family farm now, if you will. This property that you and your brother have purchased, uh, it for for those that aren't familiar with the Lehigh River and. Uh, that particular area. How far are you from Wilkesbury Scranton? Oh, we're not far. Probably twenty, about a twenty-minute drive from Wilkesbury. A little bit further from Scranton, but um, we're about ninety miles north of Philadelphia and ninety miles west of New York City. So we're right close, but not too close. Literally yeah. in the middle of nowhere, uh, between yeah. everywhere. So that's where you're located. I, I would think that every morning is so exciting. For you, because right now you're sort of in this transition period where you're really getting a chance to to see what your future might look like, Adam, when you have time to to just work on this place. Because obviously there's a second career for you coming. You've got to make money to pay for all of this. But right now, uh, in this interim period, you're really getting to sink your hands on some uh, into some wonderful projects. What what are you working on right now? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, like I said, we're we're my dad and I are out here right now. We're just finishing up the, the third part of um, the third barn in the uh, the series of barns that were built here. Uh, I had to stop working on it right after our wedding. We, my wife and I got married here in uh, 2018 in August, and then I reported for for active duty in uh, at the end of August. So we didn't really have time to finish everything, and uh, it's been standing here for about that time. Um, so I'm, I'm just, uh, we're just finishing things up now, getting the roof on it before winter, uh, really sets in up here, but that's the, the current project that's going on. My wife and I just bought a house right across the river, still in Stoddardsville, but, uh, that 
the when we plot it, you, you, when you go into it, it's like walking back into 1960. You know, we have a, a beautiful caloric true ray, you know, avocado green uh, stove and and all of those type, types of things. So that's really that's valuable right now, though. You know, I mean, that's that's uh, it's all incredibly maybe, valuable. Maybe I don't know, but you still need a match to light your stove. So. Well, that's true, but I mean, we have a friend, I, I know you know Ricardo von Putkammer, a great photographer mm-hmm. and a wonderful yeah. guy. Ricardo would come haul that thing away from you. Uh, you just <laughs> just call him up, because he, he loves all that stuff. I mean, but so that's really cool, though. I mean, you're right across from the river. This is obviously uh, the property you're talking to us from right now. Uh, will at some point, I'm guessing, be where the family lives. You, maybe your brother, and and whoever else. I mean, there's there's enough land up there uh, to house everyone. That that has to be exciting. It is for sure. I mean, that that's probably the, one of the greatest things about this whole project is I've gotten to do all of it with my family. Whether it's my wife, you know, my father, um, my brother. We we all, you know, everybody's got a an old pair of Carhartts that's seen a lot of uh, use and abuse out here at the barn. So. You know, whether it's my mom bringing us food or helping out where she can, uh, or my wife, like I said, was was painting the barn a week before we were married, or my dad and, and my brother, who we've really done the the lion's share of, uh, you know, uh, framing and, and, and shingles and, and siding and all that stuff. But uh, I, I think that's you can't put any kind of value on uh, on those experiences. Um, you know, it, it's priceless, really, in the end. And then at some point, will you rebuild the house? I'd love to. Uh, I re- I'd really like to rebuild uh, the Maples. Um, like I said, the foundation's still there. We have photos of uh, what the building looked like originally. And um, I think it'd be great to have a showcase for the archaeologists, uh, you know, make a little archaeological museum uh, out, of the, uh, out of the mansions. So maybe a a chance for the public to see it. If they're interested in seeing it, uh, we'll try and get some pictures from you to put up here, uh, the foundations and whatnot, so folks can take a tour of this. But eventually this will become a museum, eventually some type of open-air museum uh, where folks can come out, hopefully, and see some of this. Uh, You know, that's a big thing right now, right? Agritourism. So if you get this mill up and running again, Adam... (laughs) <laughs> I spend that's, a few a, million that's... dollars on an antiquated piece of technology and uh, why not? You know? You can... Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, it's, it's an ambitious project and I, I, I don't know if I'll ever finish it in my lifetime, but um, I, I just, I want to share it, but share it responsibly. Uh, you know, that that's, that's good for the environment. That's uh, that's, that's good for the community. And that is uh, it's good for the country, you know, to, for, for children to come up and see, this is how we, you know what what the the American spirit is, is all about, um, and in a way, it's it's honoring my family's legacy and uh, Commander Butler, who we you know like I said we we bought this land from his estate, uh, you know uh, it's honoring his legacy too because he he believed in, um, you know sharing this this beautiful um, piece of land for its historical and its its natural uh, wonders. It's a it's a gorgeous <laughs> piece of property, and I'm so thankful yeah. that. The intent is to share it uh, at yes. some point with the public and let folks see this uh, this incredible place of Stoddardsville uh, that was part of of, a, of an immigrant's American dream and now part of yours. So, Adam yep. Carrick, thanks for coming on. That's uh, truly history worth saving. I appreciate it, awesome. bud. And I look forward you to coming that. up there. I'm going to bring the RV and just um, 
See you all. I got someday. a house for you. I keep <laughs> collecting the houses around here, so I got one for you. you don't need well, I'm ready. It. I just need to come up and frame it, right? That's the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'll put yeah. you to work. With That's you right. Other. I can't wait. Adam awesome. Carrick, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. You bet, great, great to hear from you. Get back to work now, okay? Because I want to come visit. <laughs> All right, my friend. Good to talk to you. Listen, if you want to find more out about Stoddardsville and Adam's project, uh, we'll post some pictures here and we'll have them on our uh, on our social media sites. And of course, in the newsletter. If you're not a member yet of the newsletter, uh, get on there, sign up. Can I just tell you what I forgot to do? Yeah, I know it's already December. And I realized the other day that on the calendar, it was supposed to hit send on the November one. I did this in October. You'd think I would learn, but uh, expect expect yet another one. By the way, if you haven't already signed up for it, just do it. It's right there at historyworthsaving.com. Just log on there, put your email in there. I, clearly, I won't send you spam because I forget to send the newsletter. So just send it over there, and uh, we'll be glad you did. There is some stuff coming up on this show. We're turning it into video, and if Adam hadn't been in his truck this morning, we would have maybe coaxed him into doing it now but next guest is uh, someone that i think you're really going to want to uh, to tune in and hear and hopefully we'll have it on video as well so stand by for that as some uh, changes occur still the same podcast but just with video now if you want it that's coming up uh, in the second half of this month listen i so appreciate you listening to this show if you want to help us out you can join the newsletter you can tell your friends about it great american stories told right here Thanks again for listening. So long for now, everyone. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.